Welcome, everybody. This is the Football Attic podcast number 26. Uh, it's the one after our landmark episode, although you'll be forgiven for thinking so because somebody here forgot to mention it on the last podcast. Rich, um, you know, missed an opportunity there. Anyway, um, I digress. Um, it's uh, Chris Oakley here. Very glad to have your company. And um, if you've been listening in to previous Football Attic podcasts, you'll know what this is all about. We are currently uh, midstream, you might say, as we are looking at the 50 greatest football shirts ever as featured on uh, thefootballattic.com and uh, on this occasion we're looking at the shirts from 30 to 21 in our countdown and before I go on I need to introduce sadly not the three people that normally accompany me but accompany me but two uh, sadly Jay from designfootball.com cannot be with us uh, but um, I do thankfully have uh, two other renowned people in the uh, field of football kit design. Uh, first of all, let me introduce uh, the man who has uh, done for football podcasting uh, what the Petamain did for musical. It's uh, Rich Johnson. Hello, Rich. What the hell was that? <laughs> what kind of reference was that? I'll explain it later. <laughs> it must some, be a generation thing, Chris. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, you can Google it later. Um, anyway, why, why are you going to be a hater, Chris? Why, why are you going to be like that? You know, just <laughs> Before you've even introduced me, you're, you're hating on me, man. I'm not. I'm not. It's just. It's just. It's a friendly. A friendly introduction, uh, because yeah, we yeah. go back a long way, about 200 yards. <laughs> last count. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm. I'm. I'm good. Thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask, but thanks for telling me. Um, well, I figured I better put the curtsy in there, since you didn't. You know. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I haven't done this very often before. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's. Uh, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm fine. I'm, I'm glad to hear you're fine as well, uh, uh, Rich. For, for no other reason than it means we can carry on and, and have further discussions on this podcast. Oh wait, wait, wait! Can I tell you about my sunburnt legs? <laughs> oh, do you have to? <laughs> no, not really. No, carry on. <laughs> Well, that's uh, okay. Yes, well, if 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 the conversation runs dry, then we've got something to fall back on. Um, <laughs> and uh, the other person on this podcast, I'm pleased to say, it's a man who's uh, illustrated more football kits than you've had hot dinners. In fact, he's probably <laughs> illustrated some of your hot dinners. He's that good. Please welcome John Devlin. Hello, John. Uh, hello, Chris. Hello, hello, Rich. From from TrueColorsFootballKits.com. I forgot to say. Um, oh, thank you. Yes. Wonderful to have your dinnerillustrations.com as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, try right. hotdinnerillustrations.com. I'm just going to register that now as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> I suggest you do. <laughs> yes. Um, and as I say, Jay will hopefully be with us again uh, for the next podcast. Uh, we, we're a bit tardy on this because um, we didn't plan for the fact that several of us were going off on holiday in midstream. Uh, that's why we're a bit late. Um, as we're recording this, I think there's only about another eight shirts that are going to go live on footballattic.com in our countdown. But uh, we'll try and get them uh, published, the, the podcast published uh, as soon as we can for you. But uh, anyway, we begin today uh, with uh, shirt number 30 in our countdown. And um, that one happens to be a shirt uh, belonging to Saint-Étienne. It's their 1981-82 home shirt uh, designed by Le Coq Sportif, and it was nominated by John. John, I suggest you take the floor and uh, tell us uh, very briefly, if you can, uh, what it is you like about the shirt. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. It's, um, it's another example, and we looked at it earlier on in the countdown with some of the French shirts. It's another example of continental... Uh, beauty really in, in in fabric it's just a really really stunning shirt it's um green of course and etienne's standard you know main color uh mm-hmm. with horizontal pinstripe hoops going across the shirt made by lecoq sportif proper old-fashioned wing collar white inset massive massive sponsors logo which 
perversely, I really love. I just can't get enough of big sponsor logos, and um, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant, and it's it, you know it's one of those ones that's that is really iconic but really classic at the same time. Le Coq Sportif just back with Saint Etienne again after a long, long period away. So it's kind of fitting. It's um, it's in the countdown, I think. Absolutely, very timely indeed. It's uh, I must say that yes, it's it's like kind of iconic. We're trying to steer away from the word iconic as we're doing these posts because, as I know you've mentioned before, Rich, that as we publish each of our posts on a daily basis in the countdown, um, a lot of people are sort of saying. You know, um, why haven't you included this shirt and why have you included that one? And it's because a lot of people are focusing on iconic designs, which doesn't necessarily make it a, a, an automatic inclusion in our countdown. But in some ways, this one is because a lot of people remember it. It ties in with the whole Michel Platini era at Saint Etienne. That's right. Um, I love it for the double horizontal pinstripes, which, is, as you, I think, have alluded to there, John. I mean, it's just something we didn't really see in the UK very much, so it's it's just lovely. What about you, Rich? What's uh, what's your thoughts on this one? Um, I think you've made a good point there, Chris, about the fact that the difference between um, iconic and you know what we've been trying to do with this, which is, I'd like to say, not 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 consciously steer away from it, but basically, I think whenever we've considered a shirt, um, we've looked at whether we've nominated because it's iconic or because of the design and and I think in this case again it, like you said it does stand up on its own it's like it is a unique design for the time um, I mean I, can't, I couldn't say whether it was a template at the time or not I can't honestly remember because uh, I wasn't really into football at the time but it's like you know it stands out as an example if, if it is a template it stands out as an example of that and it's still a great design in itself um, uh, like you said the, the double sort of pinstripe horizontalness of it uh, and the little insect collar which was quite, sort of quite fashionable at the time well I say it's quite fashionable at the time it might not have been at that point but it certainly became it due to their kits um, mm. <coughs> it's it's not my favourite of all St Etienne shirts but um, sorry Saint Chen uh, as uh, Jay <laughs> keeps insisting that we call it for some reason and he's not here to argue ha 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 shut up Jay it's Saint Etienne that's who it is um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just a really neat shirt, um, and I and I'm actually with John on this. I love the massive sponsors of French shirts. I think they look ace. Funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. well, another thing, another thing about it as well, actually, and I've illustrated it as long sleeved. And there is this thing, and we never had it in the UK so much. We had it a bit in the 70s, but not in the 80s. The short sleeve version was different to the long sleeve. The short sleeved got rid of the white inset uh, mm. collar and had just a sort of standard neck, similar to what happened with the French national shirt about that time Chris I've done a few yeah oh yes um, so it's again it's like those little differences between the long sleeve and the short sleeve version which again makes it you know makes it a bit special well that's an interesting point because I was just going to mention um, in terms of the whole template aspect of it and, and how often maybe that was seen I seem to recall that um, uh, Aston Villa had a Lecoq Sportif shirt based roughly speaking on that template it was around about 84 though so that would have been a, two or three years after this one mm. but I don't think it wasn't exactly the same they had um, it was after the classic um, kit that they wore in about 82 with the sort of blue panels down the side it was like it was a bit if you think of sort of Ajax shirt but, but basically light hang on claret down the middle light blue down the sides the one that followed that um, which was also sponsored by Meta. Um, that was along the same lines. It had a triangular inset, like a, a blue, light blue inset on the collar. But it, one or two little differences, I think, with uh, compared yeah. to 
Santa well, that's just a good point. I mean, that they clearly, you can see the evolution there, because that clearly mm. would have evolved from this, the, the, that kind of early 70s, mid-70s mm. classic wing collar look, I think. So, actually, that is a good point. And, and yeah, the horizontal stripes did come in for the away kits, didn't they? And with Chelsea's yes. shirt, the home shirt at the time. But again, you're looking, it's almost like these, these, these designs are, are kind of rolled out in the con on the continent before mm. they, they made it over to us in the UK, yes. which is yeah. And it's happening again and again. We, as we look back, we see that same situation reoccurring. Absolutely, yes. I don't think that Aston Villa home kit had horizontal pinstripes, but I'd say that would have been a few years on, so they would have perhaps got rid of that for the home kit and only had yeah. it on the away kit, as you mentioned. And the way. That's it, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, we had a little bit of feedback. Because we are a little bit tardy on getting this podcast done, we've, uh, uh, we, one benefit of that is that we've now had some feedback on these posts. Uh, had a couple of comments on this one. James Taylor via our website <coughs> said, now you mention it, uh, a lot of French kits have employed oversized sponsors. Remember Nantes Europe 1 or Marseille's Maison Bouges? Boyges, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, I also pronounce the football team, town, and indie band as San Teti Yen, uh, which is uh, a good point <laughs> worth making. <maybe. laughs> um, and uh, Andy Rockall, also via thefootballattic.com, said a very timely selection as San Teti Yen have just returned to Lecoq Sportif. As you said there, uh, oh. John, an absolute peach of a shirt. Yes, absolutely there, Andy. Thank you to both of you there for your comments. So uh, so there we are. So that was uh, that's number 30 in our countdown. We now move on to a more familiar territory, for me at least, and that is uh, shirt number 29. It's the West Ham United shirt, 1976-1980, their home shirt made by Admirals, one that uh, I nominated. And um, essentially, if you don't know this one, it's kind of uh, a claret shirt. It's got a blue um, panel across the top of the shirt, uh, going down into a chevron, into a V, if you like. And it's got three, I think it's three claret stripes on it, um, and all kinds of um, extra trim and detail kind of going along the sleeves and, and on the collars and, and bits and pieces like that. Needless to say that if you um, look up, for example, uh, West Ham 1976 European Cup Winners' Cup Final, I realise that sounds a bit specific, um, in, uh, West Ham playing against Anderlecht, you'll see pretty much the first time that was ever worn. It's a, it's a well-known shirt and um, certainly, a, a dare I say, using the word again, an iconic one in uh, West Ham's history. Um, I nominated that. It, it's one of my two favourite West Ham shirts. And, and, and as much as anything, it's because it shows the ostentatiousness of Admiral's designs such as they were in the 70s. Um, you had all this amazing detail. They dared to almost halve the body of the shirt, um, one part light blue, one, one part claret, as well as the uh, light blue sleeves. So it's kind of unheard of for there to be quite so much light blue on the shirt as there was. Um, but it's just, you, you only have to take one look at it, and it's classic Admiral. And, um, you know, it did kind of coincide with, actually coincided with a slightly up and down period for West Ham, but um, starting off with the European Cup Winners' Cup final and then um, uh, ending, ironically, just before we got to the 1980 FA Cup final. I say we, I'm a West Ham supporter in case anybody hadn't worked that one out yet. Um, but um, it's it's just a lovely shirt, um, lovely detailing, and that whole kind of chevrons design, that, um, that, that motif that Admiral had, as I've mentioned in my blog post, wasn't actually seen on that many... Um, match day shirts, you might say, for different teams. It was only, other, it was only Sheffield United, I think, that bo uh, borrowed that. 
Um, it was more often seen on tracksuits at the time, strange enough, but um, but it was a, a very out there design, and I'm, I'm actually really pleased that West Ham decided to go with it because it just it's a classic look, really. But anyway, enough from me as a West Ham supporter. Uh, which of the two of you would like to say something positive before I cut you off from Google Hangouts on air? <laughs> um, well, I actually like this. Um, I, th- I think this is from a time when Admiral were making kits um, way before I ever even knew about them. And I- I've said before on-, on these podcasts that to me, because of my lateness into football, um, Admiral were just a sort of a cheap make because the, I think mm. the first one I ever remember was the 82 England kit which uh, despite what everyone else thinks is a brilliant kit it, it was horrible uh, but it was also <laughs> I, I remember seeing it of, of, rep, of replicas at the time and it just looked so cheap and nasty so to me Admiral were this sort of really cheap kind of going out of business brand you know mm. but well, I think it was when John did an article on their kind of 70s shirts, and it was just, are you, yeah, yeah, and, and I looked at them, and I was just like, they were actually like amazing pioneers of design um, at the time, and this is one of the ones that I really like out of it as well, because it's like, it's, it's quite wacky, and I love all the stuff that Admiral did with their four stripes, you know, whether it was going down the side um, or anything, but, and I happen to really like this one, because obviously it perfectly combines the claret and blue, um, but it just does it in what, at the time, must have been quite a wacky design, really. Mm. So it's, I, I really like it. It's, it's, and it's one that's never, I don't think it's ever really been repeated again. I suppose the closest you'd have got was the pony abomination yes, the from the 90s <laughs> with the tick, you know. Um, but other than that, yeah, it, it's, and I, it's, it's quite interesting to see how few, of, uh, considering how much the kit world repeats itself, it, I always find it really interesting to see how few of... Admiral's iconic designs that they did around that time have never been used again. Despite the fact, mm. when you look at them, you think, "Why has no one done it?" You know, even in yeah. even in a kind of parrot fashion, it's I'm I'm surprised. So yeah, I really like it. Absolutely, I should correct myself. It was actually four claret stripes on that blue section at the top, not three. I beg your pardon. You're quite right there, Rich. But uh, sorry, yes. Right. As as for you, John. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think <coughs> Richard stumbled on something there that I I was looking at it again this morning and thinking how would we as grizzled old kit fanatics if we went back to sort of the mid 70s how would we view those shirts because we look at some of the outrageous designs that come out now many of them are fine but some of them do jar with us and I wondered how we would have felt about it Mm. it's just food for thought you know looking back but for me I mean we all love most kit people love Admiral shirts but for me I, I think this is probably their best their best shirt. I, I just think it is so so good. It's um, it takes a standard West Ham design, it moves it forward a little bit. It's brilliant. It's arrogant. Mm. It's bold. And I think kits need to be that. They need to give confidence to the players. So yep. many times when I've spoken to kit designers, they've said, you know, the players need to go out on the pitch feeling top dollar. You know, and if they've got a good kit on them, it it really does help that. And I think they've just cracked it with this. I, it, it really is, I think, for my, for my money, one of the best Admiral shirts. Love it. Bless you, John. The fiver's in the post. Um, yes. Um, no, I'm, I completely... I mean, it is so inventive for its time, and it is wacky, and you do wonder whether anybody would take a chance on a design like that nowadays, but it is that is the sort of thing that I think is so lacking in today's football kit design. A lot of the inventiveness in football kit design these days is at such a subtle level that you, mm. you can't even perceive it from a distance. So what, in some ways, I think, why, why you know, if you, unless you're going to see it in a shop or hold, hold it in your hands, why, if you can't see that kind of inventive detail, you might as well make it obvious, is my opinion. Yeah. But then I know I'm a bit sort of... 
but but the other thing as well, I mean, I'm all for you know making things really different. And people have said, well, you criticise shirts that are radically, radically bold and outrageous, but they've got to have some design aesthetic aesthetic quality to it as well, which is West Ham one does have. It mm. was so different, but it looks so you know beautiful. It's a brilliant shirt. Interesting, there's one other team did wear it as an away kit, and that was my old local side, Southend United. They wore oh, a yellow and black version, like wow. um, Sheffield United as well. So I'd just like oh, to point out, John, seeing as uh, Jay would normally correct pronunciations, it's Southend United. Has he appointed you as his deputy in that particular uh, capacity? <laughs> it's, a role, it's a role I naturally feel of pedant. <laughs> deputy pedant. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I mean, the Sheffield United away shirts that I mentioned and you just mentioned as well, John, it was it didn't have that sort of two-tone sort of contrasting upper section. It was just, I think, if I remember rightly, it was kind of a ye- lemon yellow colour with, with the black chevrons, which still look very nice, by the way. Uh, but interestingly, mm. someone anonymously uh, left a message on our website and alluded to that. They, they quoted my comment in the uh, accompanying blog post, which says, um, such a change in balance in the use of club colours on a shirt can cause discontent among fans. And, and this anonymous person, whoever you are, said, uh, try being a Sheffield United fan who supports this season's Butcher Stripe anniversary kit. Um, and he also goes on to say, or maybe she, um, speaking of Admiral, while they're not supplying kit for many clubs now, they make brand name at a budget leisure wear. My local Sainsbury's just got some Admiral polo shirts in there and are also, and, uh, also track suits in the range, but not of the Chevron variety. Some might call me a chav for wearing Sainsbury's clothes, but I love Admiral and always will. Well, whoever you are, I'm totally with you on that. And good for you for supporting Admiral. I think <coughs> we need more of that sort of thing. Um, and the only other comment we had on that was from Andy Rockall again, who said a rather natty cowboy jersey uh, as the reference from his nan. I think that's what his nan used to call it. I can kind of see it's one of those. Was it a reference to the the what is that? <laughs> those leather things that used to have on the on their on a cowboy outfit. Anyway, you, you get the idea. Um, anyway, so there we are. So that's the uh, the West Ham shirt at number twenty nine in our countdown. Uh, we now go to Rich for number twenty eight, and um, he has nominated the Evian. Tonon Gaillard, or Evian TG for short, uh, 2011-2012 home shirt by Kappa. Uh, it's uh, beautiful in a, a lovely shade of pink and white. Uh, Rich, tell us more. Firstly, I think it's actually pronounced uh, Evian Thonon Gaillard. <laughs> Gaillard. Oh, dear. Uh, it's quite good wasn't he a Dick Emery character? Is that, that <laughs> wow, that's that, now that is a generational reference, John. <laughs> oh, well, no. I got it. I'm so old. You are, John, John, you are old, but I like you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, anyway, enough of the old man chat. Um, yes, I nominated this, and I think this is one of those ones that, you know, um, I think in, in, in nicest terms, divides opinion. Because <laughs> um, I know that when we when we nominated it, a lot, well, sorry, when we published it, a lot of people went, "What? You taking a piss?" And um, not maybe in that accent though. Um, and it's well, I think it's a great shirt. And and, and this is again, uh, see, I, I've made the point in my article in the article um, that why this particular one because. Pretty much to me, almost every single Evian TG or Tejer um, shirt that comes out looks ace because it's it's predominantly pink, which I think is a brilliant colour for football shirts. I just I just think I just honestly do think pink football shirts look amazing. Um, I, I, and the weird thing is, I, pink isn't particularly one of my favourite colours. I, I don't have any 
wear or you know leisure wear or anything that's pink because it doesn't really suit me. Um, but I just think it's a football shirt. I suppose because it's such an a unique colour. There's so few shirts that are pink. It really does stand out. And obviously, because pink is predominantly not a you know a macho colour, so I probably fits in nicely with football then. Um, and it's, I don't know. It's, and I like this particular shirt. Uh, because, like I say, all the FENTG shirts are great, in my opinion. There's just several things that make it, and, and annoyingly for a lot of people, one of those things is the sponsor, because obviously it is, FEN is the bottled water company, you know, it's, it's a, there's no getting away from it. So obviously they're going to be sponsored by FEN, but it's just, I love the little mountains on the shirt. <laughs> I just think it looks great, and I, I think it contrasts really well with the thing. And I also like the fact that it looks like shark's teeth as well. It's just <laughs> silly. <laughs> but I think the shirt, this particular shirt, so like I say, what makes this one different from all the other TG ones, what I like about it is the fact that it has a fade effect on it, for one thing. Mm. I am a sucker for a fade effect on a shirt. And I, and I think that, again, is where I differ from a lot of football fans' opinions, because I, I don't know many of the people that like fade effects on shirts. Everyone seems to hate them. Um, but I really like it on this, and I just love the simple blue and white collar on this. It just, it's, it's. I mean, the pink and the blue and the white go together perfectly, in my opinion. And of course, it all fits in. It all ties in with the sort of um, the colours of the Evian logo as well. So it's all, it's. You could all be cynical about it, and say yes, it's all the colours that they've chosen. They're all down to the thing. And well, yeah, they might be, but I don't care in this opinion. In, in this instance, it works for me, and I love it. Um, and then also it's got like loads of sponsors on it, and that's just great. I, just, I, I, I am an absolute sucker for a kit with like 20 sponsors on it. Just, I, I know, I, again, most people hate sponsors on shirts, and yes, there's an argument to say that some, you know, a lot of shirts, if you took the sponsor off, would probably look nicer, but you know, your club needs money, so get over it. It's happening, and in my, in my, in my opinion, more sponsors, please. <laughs> we are long overdue a discussion on the uh, proliferation of uh, sponsors' logos on shirts. For what it's worth, I just want to throw in my thing is, I, I mean, I'm completely at eve with the fact that it's the modern way and that's how it is. My only issue with that, a lot of sponsors' logos is that it kind of dilutes the colour of the, you know, of the shirt, which is, after all, what's supposed to be identifying you on the pitch. And that when you see old clips of football... The, the colour of the shirt seems to be far stronger because there aren't so many logos and things. But that's, I mean, I'm, I'm not kind of that anti-logos in that. So it's just that's the only sort of technical point I would bring up. But um, <clears throat> I'll now allow John to uh, comment on the Evian TG shirt. Well, I think the the Evian kind of aspect of it, I think that crops up, obviously, that crops up on all their shirts. But th mm. this one is a particular beauty. I'm, several things I love about it. I'm, I'm totally with you, Rich, on the sponsors. And I've always been frustrated when I've gone to France and you try and buy a replica shirt in France and they generally just have the main sponsor. They don't have all of them. And, of course, I won't buy them. I want I want everything on there. And I, I just – it just – I don't know what it is. And I've never – I've never understood why I like sponsors so much because, in theory, it should go against everything, you know, that you, you perceive a football shirt to be. Yeah. But um, – that's the beauty of it for me. The gradient effect as well. I love a gradient effect. I think it's. it's I'm surprised they aren't used more. I don't know why yeah. they're not used more in kit design. Absolutely. But also, it's a it's a Kappa shirt, and I just you know, so much so much of what Kappa does has got real class about it. Mm. I, I, you know, I know it's got a slightly, oh dare I say it, you know, um, chav culture kind of feel in the UK. <laughs> I think it's got that connection. But when it comes to their shirts and their and their sportswear on the pitch they're, they're brilliant I, I love their stuff I love the little blue the blue stripes down each sleeve as well I think that works really well 
and um, it's, it's just great. Yeah, and more pink shirts as well. I'm all for that too. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. When I discovered that Evian TG had uh, got promoted to League R, I, I was absolutely rejoicing at that because I thought we need more pink shirts just for a bit of variety. Exactly. Why not? Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, I would certainly say as well that you know Kappa. I mean, they don't always get it right with their designs, but when they get it right, boy, do they get it right. I mean, they just they always oh, just come up with something fantastic. Uh, so uh, absolutely, I'm, I'm totally behind that, and it's a great shirt. Um, we've had a couple of comments on that one as well uh, from Cat's Meow via Facebook. He said, "No, like a visit to the island Doctor Moreau," which is a reference to the, the peaks, <laughs> mountain peaks. And uh, Andrew Harding via Twitter who said, "Too many sponsors, in my honest opinion." Well, okay, horses for courses and all that, but um, there's no denying it's a lovely shirt. If anything, I don't think I thought I'd, I'd say this, but it's actually all the better for having so many sponsors, logos, and bits and pieces all over the shirt. It's, I don't know why it makes it look really good. Well, it's it's, it's actually odd as well because I think with the the recent trend for fairly plain colour shirts, I thought that was that was kind of like um, setting the way forward for more and more sponsors to start creeping in. But of mm. course, we have got back to more heavily decorated shirts again now. So I don't know because obviously a blank canvas makes those sponsors um, work a lot better. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Oh, well, we must press on. We're going to try and get this uh, podcast done in uh, under two hours, unlike the last uh, podcast. I think we only just about scraped it under the wire last time. We're going to try and shorten it a bit, but uh, we'll press on. We go on now to number 27 in our countdown, and it's the Coventry City shirt from 1987 to 1989. Their home shirt produced by Hummel. <laughs> Bet you can't guess who nominated this one, listeners. Um, uh, here's, a, here's a clue. It's Rich. Over to you, Rich. <laughs> That's not really a clue, is it? That's just telling them. <laughs> well, it's a fairly obvious clue, I'll, I'll grant you. <laughs> uh, yes, what a, well, it's a great shirt. I mean, it, it, I've made no com- uh, secret about this. It is my favourite uh, cough shirt of all time. Um, I love, the obviously, the Denmark 86 design. And I made the point in the... Um, in my article I wrote about it, is that after we won the Cup, the FA Cup, still the last Minden's team to have won it, uh, suck on that, everyone else. Um, <clears throat> uh, after we'd won it, and it was obvious we were going get, uh, to get like a, a, a major um, kit manufacturer, and then it turned out to be Hummel, who weren't that major at the time, but it was a step up, you know, from Triple S Sports. Um, <laughs> and I, as soon as I found out it was Hummel, it was like, I hope we get a kit in the Denmark 86 style, but I thought we wouldn't because I thought obviously that's well, you know, that's kind of from last year, so we won't get that. Um, and in fact, I think by that point it would have been two seasons old because um, this was the end of the following season. Mm. But when when we finally trotted out in it, we did, and I was over the bloody moon because it was like, and I, I think the reason not only did I pick this obviously because it's my favourite Coventry shirt but I also think it's one of the best implementations of um, of that particular template I mean the Denmark 86 is a great kit you know we all know that it's a classic one and, uh, and uh, maybe iconic as well but the, the <laughs> to me it's just uh, and it works so well for Coventry's colours as well and, and I think the funny thing is I made the point in my post and then John said oh that's what I've said before and I was like oh is it maybe I've subconsciously channeled John then uh, and that is the point that Coventry have, have a very schizophrenic um, relationship with their kids because um, a bit like, I think like Reading or another one, 
when you read through True Colours, the amount of times that Reading have changed the style of their kit, you know, like, Newcastle have always been black and white stripes. I mean, always in terms of modern times. I'm not going back into, you know, the 1800s or whatever. Don't correct me. Um, But Coventry have always kind of wavered between um, blue and white stripes and sky blue, just like plain sky blue. And, of course, this one combined both because you had, you know, almost like a, a half of the shirt in blue almost because obviously it's sky blue and slightly darker sky blue um, stripes but the overall effect is like a half and half shirt so you get your nice sky blue panel in there but you also get your blue and white stripes so oh, it's, it's, I mean it's just ace I love it this I can't really say too much more about it because it's just I think it's an amazing design and I just love the colours so it's just perfect for me there's no getting away from the fact that the sky blue it works a treat in that particular motif that design that half and half with pinstripes <coughs> thing there because you know there it was used for a few different clubs in in different color combinations but in that sky blue tone it just hits the nail squarely on the head it works really well john your thoughts yeah t- i totally agree i mean yes it i mean I think when we first mentioned that stripes plain colour thing, Rich, you were quite excited when I said it, so you must have it's stuck in your head. Of course, Southampton I think, I think did it. I must have said it before you, John, and you just channelled me. In there. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'll, check, I'll check my files on that one. But I think yeah, yeah. Southampton, Southampton pulled it off as well. Same thing, they'd switched from um, <clears throat> playing, playing red at and then, you know, a mixture of stripes. So it kind of did the same thing for them. But I, I think it's the it is the pinnacle of Coventry kits for in my money. Uh, for my money, it's um, apart from that reason, and it works so well with this, as you say, with the sky blue and the white. I think the only the only version of this kit that comes close is the Aston Villa away, which I think someone comments on further down on the site. I think that's the only one that that comes close to you know the sheer marvel of this one. But no, it's brilliant. And Hummel again, they're like Kappa. They're another yeah. really, really good brand. And it's just, it's a shame there's not more Hummel kits still around because I think they're just so dynamic. Um, and, and, you know, get rid of, it's, it's just not stale at all. It's just a really, really exciting shirt. <coughs> yes. Um, just the whole thing. If See, if I'd been designing that kit, I'd have probably thought, right, I'm going to have like these, we can't call them pinstripes exactly, but we'll, with these kind of thin stripes going across the shirt, and I'd have had that in a contrasting colour with the background, but to then sort of say, actually, we'll only do that for halfway across, and then we'll adopt another two-colour scheme for the other. See, that's that's mm. brilliant. That's genius. And they've still managed to keep the chevrons from their logo going down the sleeves as well, which could you could <coughs> interpret as being like really sort of superfluous detail really because there's already a lot going on on the shirt and you might think you don't need that but it it just I don't know it's just a brilliant combination it really is it's perfectly balanced and I think I think having the, the raglan sleeves rather than the sort of normal straight seams makes all the difference as well the shirt is so perfectly balanced when you look at it it's it's just wonderful yeah really good mm. choice why is it's not higher in our countdown, actually? I, don't I, know. Should, I was about I to say happen. exactly that, yeah. And Well, there's, there's one person that's not on this podcast who maybe he was a very slender-scenting <laughs> voice. I think um, two I words see. for you there, Granada and Bingo, might have something to do with it. But, um, <laughs> Man, that's one of the best sponsors ever. Stick with Wang. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Uh, <laughs> uh, hey. anyway, we did have quite a, few, quite a few comments. I'll pick out a couple here. Um, once again, um, Andy Rockall uh, via our website said, uh, a kit I remember fondly as a Tottenham fan. 
I wanted something with this design as an away or a third kit. Also very popular with Tony Raines and Matthew Hanlon. Names that you know, Rich, as a Coventry City supporter? I'm sure that you don't know who they uh, are. Anyway, moving on. So what's the next shirt then? <coughs> Sutton United. Anyway. Shut um, up. <laughs> <laughs> but he does say, I think this template would have been great in other Coventry colour schemes. The green and black version would be exciting, as would a brown one, which I can't fault, actually. That's some um, good thinking on Andy's parts there. Um, well, I, I, I created a brown one for, um, I think, uh, St. Pauli. Uh, had, there was a competition on, I think it was design football. Yeah, it was design football. Wasn't it, Joe? Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Get back in the box. You're right there, Jay. Your voice is a bit strange. Oh, no, sorry. Um, Mr. Potter. Um, <laughs> Look at me while I'm talking to you. <laughs> so that St. Paulie had a competition to design the shirt on um, on Design Football last year, I think it was, or the year before that. And so I, I obviously, because it, it was Hummel that were doing it, so I just naturally did that in a brown version. And it looks ace. <laughs> there you go, see? It's a good versatile uh, template, yes. Um, also, uh, Popper, via our website, said uh, Villa also used the design for its away shirts. The home shirts were roughly claret and blue, and the away <coughs> version looked somewhat similar to Coventry, being sky blue and white. A very nice um, interpretation of that design, yeah, as you were saying yourself there, John. And um, mm. I think the only other comment I'll throw in, which is via Twitter, was from Sky Blue's blog, who just said, well smart. And uh, who can fault that uh, for its brevity, if nothing else? Um, anyway, we move on now to uh, number 26 in our countdown. It's uh, Internazionale. Um, stick that one, Jay. Um, or Inter Milan, as they're sometimes known. 2010-2011 uh, home shirt, uh, which was produced by Nike. And that was one of yours as well, Rich. So uh, give, us your, give us your feelings about that lovely, lovely shirt. Um, and this is one of those shirts, like the the Marseille shirt that I previously mentioned. I'd like to enjoy carnal knowledge with. Um, <laughs> uh, well, as soon as I saw it, <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I just thought, "Oh, this is ace." I mean, I, I, the funny thing is, blue and black uh, as a combination is probably one of my favourite colour combinations of all time. But I've never been a massive fan of Inter Milan shirts, and I don't really know why that is, because it should be my perfect kit combo. Um, I think possibly because um, I think the, in, during the 80s when I got into it, most of their shirts were a much lighter blue, um, and I, I wasn't that keen on it, although actually I am now, bizarrely enough. <clears throat> but when I saw this... There were, there were two key things I liked about it. Well, obviously, it was a nice shade of blue and black, so on a pure aesthetic level. But the second part was the fading effect that they'd introduced. And I, I actually, before long before the Football Attic um, existed, I, I started a very, very short-lived blog called Footy Kit Reviews. And I think this was, this was the first shirt I actually reviewed on there because it was just after it came out. And I made the point that at the time there seemed to be a shift back towards, uh, in kit design, some of the kind of craziness of the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and, and for someone as high profile as Inter Milan, or internationally, to have gone for a shirt like this, uh, I, th I thought was quite a bold move. And it seemed to be signifying a real shift back towards, you know, the insanity. Because well, obviously we'd had the whole sort of tailor by umbro thing where everything had gone back to minimalism and classiness, and there seemed to be like almost immediately like a bit of a kickback to that. So several clubs, and I can't think who else at the time that I would have, I would have cited as examples, but started to go back towards a sort of insane designs. And I thought, oh, brilliant, you know, because everyone everyone's already plundered kit history. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe just 
maybe that people start doing uh, the late 80s and early 90s again, you know, because it's, it's been 20-odd years, so it's about mm. time that's considered retro. Sadly, that never happened, because then the following year they had, went back to a very plain shirt, and everyone else seemed to sort of follow suit, and it never really kicked off. But the shirt itself is just ace. I mean, the, the fade effect, you really have to sort of look up close to, to appreciate it, because at first it just looks like it kind of blurs one colour into the other. But when you look up close, it actually does it in a kind of um, ever-diminishing mixing diamond pattern. And I just thought it looked really nice. And then on top of that, the funny thing is, it's like, again, one, one of these perfect com combinations of intricate design and simplicity because the rest of the shirt is done in exactly the same style. So the sleeves match the body. There's no contrasting sleeves. There's no extra trim on it. The neck is a simple plain black um, V-neck. I think it's a wrap over, but it's a plain black V-neck. So you've got this really quite sort of insane idea, but then it's done in a really kind of minimalist way. And I, I just love the combination of those two things. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful thing, as you say. It's another one of those shirts, a bit like the Netherlands shirt, which I think was a, was it 50 or 49 in our countdown. Which, from a distance, you would just say it's just a plain, yeah, it's just a plain design. It's only when you get close to it you can really appreciate the detail of it. But um, John, what do you think? I think Richard's Richard's analysis is spot on. It's I'm going to really sort of generalise here a little bit. I really love French shirts, and there's a lot of French shirts in our countdown. Italian shirts have never really grabbed me. I don't know for what reason. And like you, Rich, I've never been jumping up and down with joy about any kind of Milan shirts, Inter or, or AC. But but this one is something special. And, and the other generalization <coughs> that with stripes, Nike handles stripes so well. You look at Adidas, and the stripes are always butchered with sleeve panels, and, the, and they're three stripes. Whereas Nike just treat them for what they are and do such a good job. And you've hit the nail on the head by saying that they've taken a standard football design and just really, really pushed it, but without kind of, um, you, you know, ruining it, if you know what I mean. And I think the the, the, the subtlety, the way that they've handled that, is is pure expertise it, it really has been done well and it was surprising I'd like to have seen more shirts in that vein come out at the time using those slightly grade gradated effects and you know and work that through more of their roster but again the speed of change means that that trend has, has gone already and that's it but it's left us with a, a, real, a real classic here really like it um, interestingly, um, again, looking at the kind of fine detailing of the kit, we've heard from James Taylor once again from Facebook, and he says um, the thinking behind this kit was that the stripes would create a snakeskin effect. Uh, Inter's symbol, of course, being a rather scary-looking serpent known as Il Bicione. Uh, I think that's the pronunciation anyway. Uh, you may recall, he says, the 2010-11 kit took this concept a little further. Um, he goes on to say that I must add the next season's Inter kit already looks like the most stylish of 2015-16, perhaps because it's supposedly modelled on the 1990-91 kit. Uh, the biggest difference is the lighter shade of blue not seen since the Burkamp yonk era, which is touching on something you said earlier on. And I remember, I was going to say as well there, um, uh, Rich, I, I remember you know, when... Um, um, uh, I've forgotten his name now. Who's the fella? Not Lota Mateus. Um, Klinsman, that's the guy. <laughs> oh, you've probably not heard of him before. Um, Jürgen Klinsman, when he was at Inter, they, their shirts at the time had a slightly lighter shade of blue as well, which I didn't mind, but I think I prefer a slightly deeper, richer shade of blue, actually. Hmm. But, there's, actually, there's one thing on the latest Inter shirt which I do really like, and that's the fact that the collar is actually striped as well. 
It just looks it just looks really nice. I don't think I've seen that. But it's it's funny actually the snakeskin idea is a really good thing whereby there's a concept mm. and you know, design this is say this is how it works, sounds like I'm telling you this is how it works, but <laughs> when there's a concept and it influences it, it's brilliant. When there's a concept shoehorned <clears throat> in at the last minute to try and justify mm. something, that's when it falls down. So for this thing of beauty to be created <clears throat> and actually have some real thought behind why it's there makes it even better in my, in my book. I didn't realise that. Yeah. The the away shirt that season, I think it was that season, was had the same sort of concept behind it, but in a much less subtle way. Because I think the that away the... that season, there was a plain white shirt with a giant snaky thing down the side. <laughs> it looked ace. Yes. I mean, it looked great. It looked great but, but yeah, not as subtle that one. Good Don't set try of kits, though. Please, Rich, don't try blinding me with all this jargonistic rubbish. A giant <laughs> snaky thing. <laughs> Sorry, to get, to get a little technical on your ass there. <laughs> yeah, yes, quite. <laughs> oh, well, um, thank you very much indeed, uh, James, for your comments there and for all of your comments um, that you've been giving us. Um, there may be one or two more to come before the end of this podcast. But uh, for now, we go on to shirt number 25. And, uh, John, this is where you need to sit up and uh, straighten your tie a little bit because we're talking about the Scotland 1988-1991 home shirt uh, made by Umbro. It's one of your nominations. Uh, take the floor if you uh, would be so kind. Thank you, John. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it, I suppose, that one? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need I'm a little bit more from there, John. I'm joking, of course. I love it. I'm salivating looking at it. It's probably my favourite shirt of all time. I just think, as a Scotland fan, despite the accent... It, 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 when it came along, I was just gobsmacked. It's just such a thing of elegance and beauty and class. We'd come out of the, we're just about to come out of the 80s, so we're looking at, again, a kind of a real modernist approach to kit design. It was, you know, the cycles every couple of years changing, but still fitting in with how people perceive sportswear design to be going. And what Umbro really spearheaded was this this look back. It, it said, no, we're not going to go forward. We're gonna we're gonna have a retro look. So in came collars again. And this was possibly I think we we talked about this, didn't we? I think it was one of the first that really had the button down collar look. I think Coventry wore a wing collar in the which was it the eighty seven cup final? No, that was well it was Spurs. It was the losing team Spurs. in the eighty seven cup final. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but when Umbro came along with Umbro came along with this button-down collar motif that ran for years for, throughout all kits. I mean, mm. it really did set the trend. Scotland first wore it in the '88 Home Internationals, and um, it was just such a move on from what they'd worn before. There's a long placket neck, very, very long, which I never saw in any other shirt at the time, with a really nice little tartan insert just just subtle but it was there and again it's bringing in national identity into shirts which at the time didn't always happen it's something we see more of now but back then national shirts were as they were you know they didn't they didn't bring in cultural references so much um the fact that the umbra logo and the new scotland badge that was introduced with this shirt are predominantly yellow again had a real touch of brightness, a real contrast to the design as well. Throughout the fabric there's a very, very subtle sort of shadow pinstripe weave going through it as well. Um, the fit of the shirt was so good. It was slightly baggier than previous as well, so the sleeves were longer. They began to stretch down a bit more. It was just a, a wonderful shirt, a little SFA uh, motif on the collar there as well, but um, a real move on from what had been worn before. And again, when you, when you look back on it, how how different it was to the the previous designs that were around. So, a, a real favourite of mine. This one. 
And uh, Richard, your thoughts on that one? Well, this is, interestingly, this is a, a shirt that I really had to be convinced about because John was raving about it when we nominated all these <laughs> and when we were deciding the order. And John was raving on and on about it. And I was just like, well, what? what's the big deal? It's just, it's just a plain shirt with a collar and a slightly long neck. And, and you know, there's been other Scotland shirts which I think have been better. And then the more John went on about it, Maybe I just got brainwashed. I don't know. <laughs> the more, but the more he, the more he described the details, and the more I started looking more into it, I actually just started to really appreciate it. And uh, I, he, he ended up completely convincing me. I actually think now it is one of the nicest Scotland shirts ever that they've had because it's like, again, when, at first appearances, it just looks like a plain blue shirt. Uh, with a slightly long collar and a couple of badges and stuff, and then but when you get into the detail, it's like like John mentioned, you know, the, the sort of the fine shadow pattern um, pinstripe effect, and and the long neck in itself, which, which obviously wasn't around at the time, and it actually it just looks very smart, and that's what I think I like about it, especially at a time when football kits were kind of you know tending to go off the rails a bit. This is actually yeah. it's 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 retro before retro happened, really. Because um, I, I know England had in their eighty-seven, eighty-nine shirt had that kind of strange, almost granddad type collar, but that looked more modern at the time than retro because um, it looks so different. But this is just like a, it's just a really smart shirt and actually a very strong shirt as well. So yeah, mm. so John completely convinced me. I think it's, I think it's a beautiful oh, that's, shirt. That's good news, Rich, and, and I think. Well, when we look back on this countdown as well, and we look back at the shirts, we also look at them, apart from just how they look, it's how new they were at the time as well. And lots of these were groundbreaking shirts at the time. And the fact that it was, again, so so different from what was, um, you know, it's difficult to go back in time and think how how wow would that have seemed at the, when it was first launched. But you can kind of get a feeling for it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um I would say I'm going to be slightly controversial here and say it's not my favourite Scotland shirt. It's it's fine. It's, you've hit the nail on the head with, by saying it's a good smart shirt there, Rich. Um, absolutely, it's um, it's certainly that, um, and it's it's almost sort of too understated in some ways because it's, I mean, look from a distance, you I mean, I never even knew about the little bit of tartan um, in the sort of button up area there which until you wrote your article there John so thank you for bringing that to my attention um, I like the the sort of um, understated detailing like the umbro logo in yellow takes its cue from the from the SFA logo on the other side so that's that works for me the, the button-down collar great the little you know the, the stripes on the cuffs fine the pinstripes fine um, it's 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 a good shirt it's a fine shirt I but I think my favorite probably up until now goes to the far end of the extremes in terms of detailing, and that's the is it Euro Euro ninety six shirt with the tartan that all over tartan. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I just thought that was. <clears throat> it was probably the right time for somebody to design that one, but we're not here to talk about that one. But um, but anyway, that that Scotland shirt that you've nominated, number twenty five, it's it is certainly a fine shirt. And like yourself, Rich, I've been sort of um, convinced with uh, John's persuasive. Um, argument is his, his post that sort of tells us everything we need to know about why it's so good and much of which has just been uh, said just a moment ago um, certainly that shirt has generated a lot of feedback uh, online and we appreciate uh, all the uh, comments we've had on that one Bishop Ville Red on our website said I have that shirt it's brilliant except for the length of the shorts in brackets on a par with late later 80s he said it is a perfect kit um, and another comment from our anonymous friend, perhaps the same one as earlier on, who says, um, while I do like Scotland's Adidas kit, 
I'd love for them, us, I'm part Scottish but support England, to go back to Umbro, see what the double diamond can do with a bit of tartan and some common sense. Following on the same line, James Taylor again, uh, he says, I agree that Adidas and Scotland seems like an odd match. I think Umbro's current clean aesthetic would suit the Scottish kit well. I think I'm inclined to agree with that. Um, Yeah. James Wellham via Facebook says, great call. Always thought this was a smart one. I was almost <coughs> jealous of the Scottish lad at school who had this. Uh, <laughs> there's always one that's got one of the shirts you like. Eh? And uh, Jack Henderson on Twitter says, uh, a butte, as most of the Umbro kits of the early 90s uh, were. Um, John, is this the one where the change kit was white? The change shirt was white with like two navy blue stripes across the middle and yellow stripes? Or was that a different? No, uh, uh, yes, it is actually, yeah. That's the ninety, yeah, because they wore that in the nineteen ninety World Cup. So yes, that's right. Because I think the late the late eighties, you began to see this idea of um, home and away kits, kind of rather than changing at the same time, alternating. Mm-hmm. So they over, so an away kit would overlap maybe two yes. home kits. Mm-hmm. The, the, the away kit didn't grab me at all, I must admit. But the the home one, home one did. But funny enough, I actually had two for two copies of that shirt. I had mm-hmm. one that I'd been wearing quite happily for ages, and my dad, my dad who was Scottish, went back up. Back up north and came back down and said, "I've got a present for you," and gave me another another one. I said, oh, <laughs> "Thanks, Dad." So I actually had two of those shirts that I both wore regularly at the time. So no, still got them as well. <laughs> well. One point I'd like to make is actually we were just talking about um, uh, Scotland and Zumbro. Can you imagine a Scotland shirt in the tailored by Umbro range? That would be. Ass. Oh. Can you just oh, imagine it? Yeah. I'm, I'm just imagining it now, Rich. Actually, yeah, it would that, be. that would be that would be amazing. In fact, I'm oh. going to get on the phone to Umbro right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say um, I actually I actually owned that um, Scotland away kit, the one I just mentioned, which was white with oh, no. the two, and um, I wanted to f- that shirt myself. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, I, 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 was about, honestly, I was about to say, could I have that shirt, Chris? Now I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> it's long since gone, sadly, but I, I just love that shirt. I always, whenever I used to go play oh, football over the park, I would always I, wear it. I really liked it as well. Didn't they I, wear that against uh, Costa Rica? Really? Well, yes, but the least said about that, the better probably. But, um, nah, more, more said about that, the better. <laughs> what a fine shirt that was. Superb it was. Yeah, anyway, I liked it as well. Anyway, yes, moving on. We must sadly move on. Uh, we now uh, uh, reach number 24 in our countdown. It's one of mine, actually. It's the Crystal Palace 1972 to 1973 home shirt, as designed by Admiral, a recent discovery on my part, actually. And we'll be coming back to that later. Um, what does it look like? Well, essentially, it's a, it's a white shirt, and it's got a sky blue and a claret broad vertical stripe, stripe going down the middle of the shirt with a, a white gap between the two stripes. It's got the circular badge that was uh, worn by Crystal Palace at the time with a sort of C stylized CP in the middle of it. Round neck and a little bit of white uh, piping around the round neck and the cuffs. It's just a beautiful shirt and part of the reason I like it is just because it reminds us of a time when Crystal Palace were still just about wearing uh, claret and blue, albeit mainly white. Uh, but um, uh, that was their main colour. But claret and blue was on the shirts as it was uh, in much bolder fashion, much more obvious fashion in previous eras. And this was um, at a time just before they made their switch to red and blue, I think, under the auspices of uh, Malcolm Allison. Um, but they had, Crystal Palace had a kit just, I think, the season before this, which didn't have the white gap between the blue and the claret uh, broad stripes. Either of those, I would be perfectly happy uh, to see my team wearing. Uh, at least if I'm, 
you transported me back to the 72-73 season. But this particular one, I think, with the with the white gap between the two coloured stripes, it's just it's just a thing of beauty, I think, and it's one of the most kind of um, creative and inventive kits, albeit in an understated way from from that era. If you think of the likes of Ajax, who had a single broad stripe, red stripe going down the middle of the shirt, I mean that's great. You have many teams wearing vertical stripes um, all around the world, but very rarely do you see something like this where you've got one main colour for the shirt and then two other colours um, in, in just a single stripe running parallel down the middle of the, of the shirt. I think it was one of those simple but effective and indeed um, imaginative uh, ideas that you rarely see and certainly rarely saw back then. Um, the inclusion of a, of a badge that was only used for a few years as well just sort of you know, pinpoints it to a specific era as well. So a lovely shirt all round. Uh, maybe an acquired taste if you're not very keen on shirts from the, from the early 70s, but uh, one that certainly stands out from that era, I would say. Fellas, uh, either of you have any comments to make on that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Chris. I mean, the thing that, as I was saying, that really interests me is how Palace have changed, chopped and changed styles and colours and everything so many times. Um, and, the, and it's difficult to pick out one that really sort of epitomises them, but th this one is, is great. It was the last time we saw the Claret and Blue colour scheme. Um, moved on from the 71-72 shirt, but yeah, really, really smart. And again, one of those ones that you think, why wasn't this? Why isn't this design seen more and more? Why didn't it? Mm. Why wasn't it rolled out amongst all the clubs? I mean, it's such a great way of getting a colour scheme across. You can imagine it in, with, with so many other teams. But um, yeah, really, really big fan of this one. I think Palace yeah. have had so many good shirts, even even though they're slightly sort of schizophrenic in, in their <laughs> their identity approach. I guess it's um, it's a real strength. But you say it was made by Admiral. How did you find that out? How did I find that out? I think actually partly I found that out via your website, dare I say, but that's just embarrassing you. Um, it was actually, I think, where you've done a feature in the past on True Colors football kits. You did, I think it was, it might have been in the feature that we mentioned earlier on, all about Admiral kits, and somebody left a comment on your site and said something like, did you know the 71-72 kit, the, the season before this one, was made by Admiral? And I thought, Really, and then and when I looked, I did some digging around, and I found there's somebody's uploaded, um, I think a few pictures for this kit, and um, it's got um, one of the one of the photos that somebody's uploaded has actually got the ticket in the back of the shirt, and it's an admiral shirt, and somebody. Somebody else online actually confirmed this when I, uh, well, in fact, we've had a comment. I can actually give you the, the comment, um, mm. which is basically, uh, again, anonymous on our website said, uh, wouldn't this have been admiral's kits. I had no idea they were making kits a year before the Leeds deal. The restrictions on wearing the manufacturer's logos on outfield kits would have been lifted by 72-73. Leeds wore the double diamond on their shirts as early as February 72 and became the first team to wear a manufacturer's logo in the FA Cup in May. Uh, and I could have thought Admiral would have taken advantage of it off the bat. It does seem pretty Admiral regardless. So, I mean, that's another kind of, you know, basically you know. so it is, to all intents and purposes, um, from all the Albeit scarce details I could find online. It's it's an admiral kit. It's just that they didn't have the logo on the shirt to confirm it. It was just if you had the tag. Yeah, I think we'll. Um, I'll try and I'll speak to Andy Burton about that because I've got a feel. I don't know. I know admiral at the time. I think they were putting out a lot of kits where they copied other people's styles. So you mm. could. I think there was a poster, an admiral poster, and they've got a Celtic shirt there, and you mm. know they called it the Celtic shirt. 
and that's when I think that's when they realise that if they copyrighted designs, they've cornered the replica shirt market. Because at the time, anyone could produce a green and white hoop and call it a Celtic shirt. Because yeah. I thought that was Umbro. I'm, I'm, I'll dig around on that. We'll follow that up because I, I, I know Umbro did the first, the previous, and the ones afterwards. So. Not sure, but that's interesting. Okay. I'll speak to Randy Burton, the Palace expert at Classic Kits, and I'm sure he'll he'll clear it up. Yes, yeah, so, so, so far as I could make out, it was Admiral, but I'm willing to be sort of told no, to confirm details. It, you, but I totally take your point there. You're absolutely right about the fact that Admiral were making sort of generic kits, as it were, as indeed a few other manufacturers were. So um, an element of mystery about this one, ladies and gents. How mm. about that for some Good intrigue? Um, uh, <laughs> Rich, your thoughts? Um, I I think this is one of those shirts that I that you just look at and immediately either you know you just like it or you don't and I look at it, I look at it and I just I think it's really nice. It's just I, I don't have anything to say on on the history of it or anything because it's way before my time. But I just really like it. I just love the design. I love the fact that it's got that little gap between the two stripes as well. It just kind of I don't know that it's just little things like that which just make a slight difference on these shirts. If that had been just two colours together, that's still really nice. But it's just the little gap in the middle just makes it. Sorry, Rich, I'm interrupting. The seventy-one, seventy-two did actually have that. It didn't have the white gap, and so you're, oh, and you're right. quite right. This is what this is why this one has the the nod on it. I think so. You're you're spot on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's little design cues like that, which you just think it's what raises what is a nice shirt to being a great shirt. And I just think this is a really, really neat shirt. And again, it's another design that's never really been copied. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. And I think we talked on the site as well. It's it's one of those shirts that, that like the Coventry one, where it manages to be plain and striped at the same time. This mm, one yeah. really nicely straddles all of Palace virtually. Virtually all of Palace's kind of like styles in one <laughs> in one shirt. It's not it's not really a sash shirt, is it at all? But it's it's got that you know it's leaning that way. If you pardon the pun, yeah. but not. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say Crystal Palace have got to be one of the most forward-thinking clubs there has ever been in terms of their football kit design because they've always been up for a complete change every few years and gone with different colours, different styles, diagonal sashes, the lot. So um, yeah. well done them, I say. Um, uh, I've had a few comments on that one on the website. Uh, Peter Prentice said, whilst a memorable kit, it wasn't the forerunner of the Man City sash design first seen, to the best of my knowledge, in 71-72. The kits worn by Inter Milan and Cagliari in the 1960s are a far likelier inspiration, given Malcolm Allison's predilection for all things continental. Good point. Well made, Peter. Uh, the Red Planet on our website said, I have a very early replica of this, Admiral, I think, but it is the version without the white centre between the claret and blue from the season before, we think, so thank you for that. Um, Dave Child, David Childs from uh, on Facebook said, What a shirt! South London's ours. Um, well, anyway, uh, thank you, David. Kun Wah Chung, our old friend on Facebook, said, Even as a Brighton fan, I love this. And the closing comment we have to give to Al Gordon, Charlton fan, and another uh, contributor to our website who just basically says, Boo! And uh, probably rightly so, if you're a Charlton fan. So uh, thank you, all of you, for your comments. On we go swiftly to number 23 in our countdown. It's the 1860 Munich 2012-13 Oktoberfest shirt by Ulsport, um, uh, an obscure one which we will go to Rich to hear about, I think, because it's one of your nominations, Rich. Oh, yes. Um, this, I mean, I, I think my opening line in my write-up on this was, is the words, I'm a sucker for limited edition shirts. Now, anyone that's ever listened to the podcast will know that. 
Um, and anyone that's seen my kit collection will know that as well. Um, oh, yeah, I love limited edition shirts. Yeah, man, it's only going to be available for one match. I'm there. Um, but I, I just love this this particular shirt. Um, and I, I don't know, I hope they're releasing an Oktoberfest one this year. Um, but basically, it seemed to, I think it started with this shirt. I don't think they'd done ones before this. Um and basically, I just remember seeing it on, uh, I think it must have been football shirt culture, uh, and I just remember seeing it, and I just absolutely adored it. I mean, it's basically just a sort of blue and white, I think it's um, I think it's like a gingham design. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I happen to like gingham as a pattern anyway, but it's just like, it just I looks so nice. You are. <laughs> I said, I bet you do. <laughs> um, and But it's just... I'd, I'd, I mean, the idea behind it is a typical marketing thing. It's like, oh, it's Oktoberfest, so let's release this, you know, one-off shirt which we'll wear in one match around the time, blah blah blah. And it's like, I don't care. I just think it's a great shirt. And that, to be honest, I'm surprised it got this high in the count, which I think says a lot about the shirt itself because I'm not sure. I think Jay would probably aware of it because obviously um, his involvement with football shirt culture. But um, I'm not sure if either of you or uh, or John were aware of its existence, so for it to Not have sure. actually come in as a as a complete outsider and, and gone so high and in, in, you know, into the top twenty five, I'm quite proud of that. But it's just, and it, <laughs> to me, it's testament to the actual design of the shirt. It's, and it's again, it's one of those totally unique shirts, obviously because it's based around the Oktoberfest sort of design. But it's just, um, I don't know, it's it's as, as a football shirt. I mean, and most people just re- always refer to it as a dishcloth because of the, the actual sort of design on it, but. I don't care. I think it's a, it's it's a, if you're going to make a shirt based on a dishcloth, then this is what to do. Um, uh, I I I think I had seen that shirt at the time because it's one of those ones that really, when you first see, it, you go, "Whoa, that's a bit different." Um, and I like it. It can only be a a special edition shirt. It, uh, there is no way that someone would willingly <clears throat> design a shirt with that kind of pattern as a regular. Well, I suppose Man United did it, didn't they, in some sort of strange obscure fashion a few years ago in red, but. Um, <laughs> So I take back my last comment, um, but um, but it's it's lovely as as a special edition shirt. It's lovely. The colours work, um, and as I think you said in your article, Rich, that it's been tried on a few occasions in a sort of restyled version. It just hasn't quite had that nice finesse about it. Yeah, um, they've, they've had, had two versions. Sorry, I was going to say, they've had two versions since, one of which was just completely different, which was like a kind of blue one with a, a sort of... Um, like a diamond pattern on it, and then the, the last year they did was basically the same as this, but without the gingham pattern. So it was just sort of um, blue and white checks mm. almost, but any kind oh, of yeah. more actually more resembling a tablecloth than the gingham style. <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, I think this is just the, the, as uh, some would say, the original and still the best. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, John, any thoughts? Yeah, it's, I'm I'm not a, as much of a fan of as limited shirts as as Rich is, um, but yeah, it looks it looks fine, and I think it was interesting. I mean, what are eighteen sixty Munich wear? What's their regular home colour? Is it white? It's kind of light blue. Yeah. They're another blue. team actually that that go between light blue and sort of light blue and white stripes. Ah, okay, fits perfectly, doesn't it? I mean, I could yeah. I could see this lasting the whole season. I, I you know I think it's a uh, it is radically different, but again, it's this whole concept of controversial and bold, but actually looking good at the same time. And I think this one, this one does it. It's got, it's got a pretty class sponsor as well, to be honest, hasn't it? Let's uh, Aston Martin. So it's not, it's not, yeah. not bad at all. Not bad at all. But I wonder if, I wonder what these, you know, if we had a, a similar limited edition shirt in the UK, how how they would go down. 
I don't know what it would be. <laughs> <laughs> I, can imagine. I, don't know what we, I don't know what we'd have. <laughs> Wailing and gnashing is what we'd have. Don't they do Christmas shirts in, in Germany as well? Some of the Yeah, they do. Um, I think um, oh, quite a few of them. Yeah, Dortmund have definitely done Christmas shirts. Mm. Um, I mean, Dortmund did a stadium shirt as well. When and mm. I don't mean like a kind of you know what are often termed as like cheap replicas. This was a thing. I, I don't, they they had a stadium shirt which had a, just a picture of their stadium on it, and that that was mm. it. There was no other reason to release it. And I don't think they'd like they hadn't moved. They hadn't. It wasn't a new stadium. It was just their old stadium that they've been there for ages. And it was just like here's our stadium shirt. Unfortunately, <laughs> I never managed to get one. <laughs> I don't know if this is just in my head or not. I'm not sure now. Were the shorts for this shirt? What was the Oktoberfest shirt that actually had kind of... What's the German shorts? Lederhosen? Lederhosen. Was that worn with this shirt? I can't remember. I think they might have had something like that, but the last one they did had very, very Lederhosen-y shorts. So they had proper... I think this kit did have brown shorts with it, I think the second yeah. one, which was wasn't based on this design, had um, just plain blue shorts. I think, or they might have been lime right. green because they had lime green trim on it. Um, but the the last season's one that they did uh, had brown shorts with a whole lederhosen pattern on it, and they looked <laughs> ace. But I don't think they actually <laughs> sold them. I don't think they actually sold the shorts um, as replicas. And I didn't manage to get a shirt either. I think Subside oh, said no. they were going to get a load of them in, and they never actually did. And so I never managed to get one. And, and this, uh, yeah, I think I, I can't remember if I've actually mentioned it in the article, but I nearly got one of these exact shirts um, at the mm. time, but ha- not realizing that we don't have customs charges across the EU at the time, um, I didn't, mm. I held off on it. I, th- I think it was about 80 euros or something. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get one. I had it in the basket. And then I'd previously been stung with buying some stuff from America, and I ended up paying double because of customs charges. Oh, yeah. I held off on it, and I didn't buy it. And then, it, by the time I went back to it, they'd sold out completely. And it was only about a, a sort of like about a week later that I found out that actually there's no such thing across the EU because it's all you know in the, in the common economic European Union and all that. And I was like bollocks. <laughs> and I've please, I've never seen them since. They never come up for sale. I, I did manage to get one of the following years. Um, ones, which is the, the the not particularly great one with the diamond pattern on it. Um, I did manage to get one of those off eBay, but these just never come up on eBay. So if anyone is listening and has one they want to sell, I'll have it, but I'm not paying loads for it now, just because I don't really like it. I don't even like this shit. It's horrible. You know? Did it come in a nice box set and stuff, or does it I just come... I think it did, yeah, I think it did. I'm not sure if last season's did, uh, but I think this one did. Oh, man. This is this is like, the worst thing is this is like now on my list of along with my yeah, Argentina eighty six this is like one of my almost one of my holy grail shirts. Uh, well, I have to say you've won the J from Design Football um, special prize this week for coming up with the word Lederhosny. Um So uh, well done on that one. Um, if you can find that one in the dictionary, well done. Um, and uh, yeah, it is, but it's in a German dictionary. Lederhosny, yes. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing to say is, um, despite my best, best efforts, and boy have I looked on, online, but I can find absolutely no trace of a comment from anybody about this shirt whatsoever. I think you've stunned the public with the uh, with the uh, very nature of this uh, uh, strange design, this uh, gingham camera. But um, there you well, go. I think, um, the only last thing I'll say on this is it'll be interesting to see if they do do one this year because they've changed kit manufacturers because all of these were done by Allsport. 
And I'm, I can't think who they've actually gone with this year, um, but they're, they're not with Allsport anymore, so it'll be interesting to see if they do do one. Mm-hmm. I suspect they might, purely because of the marketing potential yeah. of it. <coughs> okay, two to go on this podcast, and the first of those is number 22 on our countdown, and this is a popular one, I happen to know, from uh, from the reaction that we got, um, and it's the Dundee United 1984-1987 home shirt by Adidas. It's one of John's nominations, and I'm sure he'll be very glad to tell you about why this particular shirt is so good. So over to you, John. Thank you. Well, it's, it's interesting looking at it again. It's it's kind of it's quite ordinary in a way. It's some might say it's even pedestrian, but in some respects, it's it's really really well put together. And, and I think some shirts, you know, they don't rely on gimmicks. They don't rely not that not that the last one was a gimmick. Let me just clear that up. <laughs> they don't rely on on gimmicks or scandal. Sometimes they're just really good, solid, solid designs. And this is what this Dundee United one is for me. I think when I look back now, Adidas, that, that mid-80s period of Adidas, you know, they didn't have a huge roster of sides, but they, that was a real golden age in my book for the company. They were producing mm. some brilliant stuff. What they'd done with this shirt and also the Liverpool shirt at the time as well, they truncated the three stripes to just have them on the shoulders, which again made it something different. It gave it the real epaulets. Epaulets, how'd you say it? Epaulets? Epaulets, yeah, that kind of feel to it, which is is really interesting as well. Diagonal shadow stripes, a really rich tangerine. Diagonal shadow stripes, again, something different, something new. Um, And the real killer thing as well for the the mid-80s was this introduction of three colours. You know, most most shirts were generally two colours at that point, but flinging a third colour as a trim, and it just instantly highlights and livens up the design and again brings that dynamic feel to it I mean actually dynamic is a really good word for this kit because you've got the VG logo going <laughs> in a different direction to the diagonals of the, the, the shadow stripes so it's, it's a real shirt that hangs together very well like you know what I mean Yes, and I, and I think I said in my write-up, I always found it quite amusing that you know Dundee United at the time are flying high through Europe, and you get this little, uh, almost a convenience store, Scottish convenience store <laughs> logo appearing in all these massive stadiums around around, yeah. around Europe. I thought it was hilarious, but <laughs> of course, and, and VG at the time, um, their parent company included future Dundee United chairman Eddie Thompson. So it was, wow, again, right. it was a there's a kind of method to the, the the sponsorship, which I always like a story behind a sponsor. I think that's nice when it's, it's connected to a fan of the club or it, it becomes intertwined, intertwined in the club's history. So I think it's a really good, solid design, and I'm delighted that so many people have, uh, have appraised it as well. Yes, indeed. I mean, just in, sh- in terms of sheer numbers of people visiting thefootwatic.com, you can say it's a popular one, and um, I'm sure they're not all N- Dundee United supporters either. But um, but I'm, I'm with you on the on the lovely use of white, just to kind of you know, lift the yeah. the overall look. It's not flooded with white. It's just a little bit of white on the collar and the cuffs. It just works beautifully. And I don't know why, whenever anybody mentions this show, the first thing I always think of is that VG logo, which is kind of a shame in a way. But, um, but of course, once you get past that, then you see the lovely styling, as you say, just the just the stripes on the shoulders, not on the arms. Um, it's it's just lovely. Even that um, the, the, the styling of the Dundee United badge in that kind of shield, I don't know how long they used that for, but it, even that just seems to fit. Um, it's, it's a lovely shirt, and the shadow stripes, as you said, diagonally worked a treat. Uh, Rich? 
Uh, I also love this because I also nominated it as well. Um, so yeah. it was it was there's a definite on my list. Um, again, everything that that John said, I just echo. I mean, I just think it's again it's it's the simplicity of it as well. You know, it, as John said, it doesn't it's not a particularly standout shirt, but it, it's that that makes it for me it's just it's and again i always love the the truncated adidas trim on on the shirts I, I, it annoys me when they the, they go overboard with the sleeves especially now you know when you have sleeve patches i'm surprised they haven't readopted the idea of just having that trim but i suppose yeah. they want to get maximum stripage that's another <laughs> word for you <laughs> um and I, I also love the VG logo. Now, I, I, we had a VG round the corner from us when I was growing up, so there was extra significance. But and, and again, I love the fact that you've got this like kind of sponsor that's getting seen across Europe, and it's just the, like, literally these local sort of uh, mini marts in effect. So I, yeah. I, I, I just think it's great. It's got a V neck and a shadow stripe, and it's orange. You know, what more could you want? I thought VG were Scottish. I didn't realise they were living in England. No, as well. no, no, no. We had one, and uh, I, I do. And the funny thing is, I remember that um, our local VG uh, was run by a really nice guy, and I remember they. Uh, he was on telly because they actually had an advert on telly for VG, which I, I looking back, I now realise was probably a regional advert because I think it was obviously it would have been on like central TV or something. But yeah, so I, I remember all sort of like, oh, there he is, there's our VG man on the telly. You know? <laughs> Good grief, that's incredible. Is it, I wonder what the equivalent this in this day and age would be like, you know, Poundland or something. I don't know. I, I think you're probably more like um, like a not Quicksaver. What you get them? Like this McColl, this McCall's, which are kind of you know kind of more news agency, but uh, yeah, yeah, something in green and red. I'm sure there's a company in green and red, Londis or something like that. I don't know. Londis, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A fine shirt. A couple of comments on that one. Um, Clannock via our website said, I was 10 and can remember watching United's, that's Dundee United's, UEFA Cup run with my father. Couldn't help but root for them. Some of my earliest and happiest footballing memories. Thank you for your comments on that. And uh, the Red Planet once again said, um, I left a performance of the Merchant of Venice at the RSC with Anthony Scher as Shylock to watch the second leg as apparently it was too difficult for a media degree to source a VCR to record it for me. See, those are the specific things you remember about football shirts, <laughs> little stories that are connected. And um, well, finally, we round up uh, this particular selection of 10 with uh, a, a switch to a different continent. It's uh, another one of Rich's nominations, the Universitario shirt, their 88th anniversary shirt, which came out in 2013, made by Umbro, no less. Uh, Ot Rich for this one. Well, this is a shirt that only just snuck in at the last minute um, because we had 49 shirts and then we, uh, I think we we had, because the other way we'd voted through all this, which nobody knows how we put that together. And maybe we'll tell them, maybe we won't. Including that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Jay was too clued up on it either. That's how all his shirts ended up at the bottom. <laughs> um, so, and so yeah, this only literally snuck in at the last minute, um, but it actually ended up really high up the list. Um and I, I just I, this is one of those shirts again. It was during the period of Umbro's tailored by range. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, it's range, and it just looks amazing. I mean, I, I'm still not entirely sure what the 88th year celebration is for. I, I didn't delve too. I didn't. I couldn't find anything about that. But so whatever for whatever reason they're celebrating their 88th year. You know, all kudos to them. But the shirt that Umbro managed to come up with was just absolutely beautiful. I mean, Universitario play uh, predominantly in a kind of what I think has previously been termed ecru 
or a, you know beige, that sort of colour, with maroon trim. I mean, that is it's a gorgeous colour combination to start with. But this particular shirt, they they went like full on retro with this. So the I, I, the plaquette neck, uh, as I, I'm using the, I'm using the right term there, John. Uh, this actually yeah. goes pretty much all the way down to the belly button. So it's like proper old, old school retro, you know, um, dress shirt style, and mm. it's got two thick maroon cuffs on it, and then the badge. There's some, it's the detailing in this shirt as well, which is beautiful because the the badge itself. I mean, Universitario's badge is incredibly simple. It's just a maroon U in a maroon circle. So, you know, there's not a huge amount you can do with it. But the way that Umbro did it was it was quite a thick, raised, sort of stitched felt badge um, done in quite a sort of thick thread. And it just looks amazing. And then the numbers were similarly done. So the numbers are stitched on in quite... It almost looks like twine, actually, that they've stitched it on with. It's like a very <laughs> thick... Um, sort of beige thread and it just looks absolutely gorgeous uh, and other than that there's not a huge amount to say on the shirt, like I say it's got a long neck with a very simple collar on it and it just looks amazing because it, it's just oh it's just beautiful anyway, someone else can eulogise now Go on then John, I'll hand over to you for that. Well, I was quite annoyed actually when I saw this shirt because I'd never <laughs> seen it I'd never seen it before until Rich, I think, brought it up in this conversation he mentioned before. And um, I was really annoyed because ever since then I've been kind of a bit obsessed with it and I can't find one anywhere. I've looked at every every no. avenue I can explore because I just have to have one of these shirts. It's just... I, it's I've seen brilliant. one on eBay, but it was about 200 quid. <sighs> yeah, wow. that's too, way out of my zone. But it's yeah. just... It's, and I'm looking, you know, looking at it again now. As Rich said, the colour scheme is so good. It is just yeah. so good. The fact they've got these really big, deep cuffs, um, self, self colour, con colour, self colour collar as well, <laughs> and the, the huge placket is brilliant. I'm, ju I'm just looking at it now, thinking, okay, sponsors aside, I wonder if a shirt will ever come out again where it actually buttons all the way down. Wouldn't that be something? I think that would be great to see. <laughs> Fashion, fashion trend waiting to come back. I think, I think it would yeah. be a bit too confusing for footballers, though, wouldn't it? They, you just know they come out with they're all up the wrong sides and everything. <laughs> They'd be unbuttoning up in the wrong holes and things. But I think yeah. it's it's just brilliant and it's interesting as well. I hadn't really twigged the significance of the Umbro using the Umbro kind of text, the word under the double diamond, because of course all the kits at that time were you know, were just the double diamonds on their own. So I don't know what the significance of that was. But it's just brilliant. I mean it's just yeah. an absolute gorgeous shirt. It really is. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't add all that much to that add, you know, uh, alongside what's already been said, the, the, the sort of dark cream colour, for want of a better phrase, um, works really well with the maroon colour, the simplicity of the U badge, which they've you know, had has nothing to do with Umbro, that's just the badge they've always had, um, and, the, and the long uh, uh, button down at the front from the neck downwards, it's just... Um, there's very little to dislike about it, frankly. It's a beautiful bit of styling, as you would associate with Umbro from that particular era. It is a lovely shirt, and certainly one that I wouldn't mind owning if uh, if it weren't so damn expensive to buy online. Um, Universitario, a Peruvian team, is that right? Correct. Yes, now that, that certainly tallies up with a comment we had on the website from Kenneth Bond, who says uh, there was a guy from Peru who used to park his Dodge Durango truck in the medical plaza valet garage I worked at. He had two XXL versions of this shirt at the driver and pas as the driver and passenger seat covers. Um, oh, no. 
I remember how nicely the headrests stuck up from the perfectly trimmed collars. Can you imagine such a thing? Um, he says, the, I asked the guy about Universitario once when I had the pleasure of bringing his football memorabilia adorned behemoth back around to him after his appointment was over. Uh, he said, I pointed to the shirts in question. And he bridged the apparent language gap by sticking up his pointy and pinky fingers in a heavy metal goat's horns and replied, the U. Um, so yeah, that, that gives you an insight into universitario culture, shall we say. So um, it's just, it, something just screams sacrilege of making them into seat covers. I don't know why, but anyway. Oh, there. <laughs> but, you, the other thing that's really striking me with this shirt as well is that you, several of the designs we've looked at, even in this podcast, have been you know quite full of detail. We look at the Scotland one with all little elements here and there. And so many kits today are so plain. And they look plain. You know, a plain mm. kit doesn't always look good. It can look dull. This is actually remarkably plain. And it's, I, I don't know what it is about it that makes it look just so good. There's there's mm. something about the way that it's constructed, the balance of colour, the long placket, that, you know, everything about it makes it a real, a real, a real peach of a shirt. And it's interesting that a plain shirt can look so, so, so good. Mm, well, it's, it's like the new um, the Lecoq Sportif Saint Etienne and Fiorentina shirts. Both of them are just it's the same shirt design, and they're both just plain purple or plain green with a slight trim on the collar, and it just looks ace. But it's just a plain shirt, you know. But mm. sometimes, like you say, some plain shirts you look at and you think, well, that's just boring. It's just dull. And yes. then sometimes you just look at them and there's just one tiny thing which, and it's sometimes you don't even know quite what it is, but you just look at it and you think that just looks amazing. Mm. Well, you've hit the nail on the you've hit the nail on the head there, Rich. I think that's exactly what it is. There's something without getting too deep into it. There's something else going on that seems to give it that extra power, and it's hard to actually analyse it and pinpoint what it what it is. Maybe it's the cut, the the, the, the way it had the feel of it, the way it hangs. I don't know, but it's just it's just really really works well. I tell you what, that's a that's a whole podcast on its own discussing the uh, the way that understated design can actually kind of um, you know make for a better shirt than something much more obvious in the way it's been put together. But um, anyway, we'll save that for another time. Um, I fear our time is almost up. Our attempts to uh, complete our discussion within an hour have failed miserably, but uh, we hope we can <laughs> that. Um, just to say a, a big thank you to some of the people online that have been supporting us and giving us feedback. Um, people like Steve Halliwell, Christian Grubisa, Alipur Amir, and uh, on Twitter also Malky, who have been uh, fantastic in uh, just uh, exchanging views and, and just chatting about stuff like this and it's just uh, great to have the support of all of you who I've just mentioned and many others besides if, that, uh, if that's you in that category thank you so much for following us on our 50 greatest football shirts ever uh, odyssey um, one other thing just to mention since the last um, uh, podcast we did talk about the Rangers 87 to 90 home shirt which was at number 34 I mentioned the checkerboard pattern and said that I don't think anybody else had it um, certainly three leopards on Twitter and also one or two other people I think also said, said uh, oh you forgot about the Aberdeen kit from around about the same time which was also made by Umbro yet yeah, well, we did and you're quite right but I think it's fair to say that that checkerboard pattern was slightly bigger not exactly the same as the one Rangers had but it was a yeah. checkerboard pattern of sorts See, I, and, uh, I had an issue with that comment because it's like we didn't forget about it it's a completely different shirt <laughs> oh I forgot about it yeah because I, well I've got the Derby away and I've got the World Eleven one which of course was mm. worn in this centenary match so it's like I hadn't forgot about it it's one of my favourite styles of shirt it's not the same shirt though 
<laughs> I'd have mentioned it just by way of a kind of comparison of that there were similar kind of similar things going on at the same time, especially from Umbro and very nice they look too. But um, yes, there we go. I just thought I'd throw that in. I thought I'd acknowledge that comment, uh, whether you agree with it or not. Anyway. <laughs> I think that really is uh, about all we've got time for. So just leave me to say thank you very much indeed to you, Rich, and to you, John, for your uh, your company okay. during the last uh, hour and a half or so. Uh, and uh, as I say, we hopefully will have Jay back next time around. Um, but um, until next time, thank you for your company. And um, until the next podcast, it's goodbye to you all. And it's goodbye from him. And, and, and it's Rio. goodbye from them. 